are listening to the online sermon ministry of Calvary Baptist Church in the Dalles, Oregon. Thank you for joining us as we search Holy Scripture together in order to edify the church, proclaim the gospel, and glorify God. Well, Calvary, if you are joining with us, it means that you have survived the great toilet paper shortage of 2020. So kudos to you. This has really been a difficult year for so many people. And this, has, this year has been described in a lot of different ways. They would say that if 2020 was a drink, it would be a colonoscopy prep, which I'm not too sure that I like because what does that make 2021? But in all seriousness, this has been a difficult year. If somebody on January 1st of this year had said, by December, the loving thing to do, the expected thing to do, the safe thing to do is to put on your mask before you walk into a bank, you would have said that they're crazy. But this is where we are at. This is the world that we now live in. Like many of you, this year has been difficult for me and for my family. We found ourselves many times with... um, just questioning everything around us. What is the purpose? What is the, what is the meaning? Anxiety and confusion and frustration through so many different areas in life. But as I look back on this year, I can certainly see God's faithfulness every single day. In both small ways and in very, very large ways, God has been faithful through this entire year. One of the blessings for me this year has been the opportunity to spend a large amount of time in the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you would turn there, we're going to spend some time in that book this morning. Ecclesiastes is toward the middle-ish of your Bible. It's just after the book of Proverbs. It is considered one of the wisdom literatures in the Bible. There are three main wisdom literatures in the Bible. There's Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes. There are more, but these are the three main ones. And what they do is they all look at wisdom and they look at it from different angles. For instance, Proverbs would say, in chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. We have taken this book of Proverbs and turned it into a book of promises. In other words, if we live rightly for God, God will bless us. And while in most cases this is true, it's not always the case. This is not a promise from God. Case in point, if you look at the book of Job, we're introduced to Job. Job is a blameless man living righteously before God. And yet, Job has some very horrific and tragic things happen to him. So it is not always the case that if you live rightly for God, then you have a carefree, stress-free life. That is not the case. So if we are left with this, if we are left with knowing that this is not the case all of the time, then what good is wisdom? 
If you find yourself asking that question, I'm glad that you did. Because that's what the book of Ecclesiastes talks about through this entire chapter. It's just a small book, just 12 chapters. In it, the very beginning, chapter 1, we are introduced to the preacher or the teacher, depending on your translation. Verse 1 of chapter 1, it says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem. Many people have attributed this book to Solomon, even though he's not directly uh, named here. So whether he is the preacher, whether he is the author, it really doesn't matter. What we are looking for here is this preacher. This is like the wise sage that has gone through all of life, has experienced a full life, and is now giving us his details of what he sees life being. And his argument is there, found there in verse 2, where it says, Vanity of vanities says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? So that's a pretty dark statement to be making right at the very beginning. Vanity of vanities. That phrase is repeated almost 40 times throughout these 12 chapters. Similarly, when it says, uh, at which he toils under the sun, that particular phrase, under the sun, is repeated almost 30 times in this. What, what this author or this preacher is trying to tell you is that life, as we know it, is a struggle. Your Bible may not say vanity. It may say meaningless. Our English translations have not really captured the essence of the actual way that it was written. It was written in Hebrew, and the Hebrew word here is havel, H-E-V-E-L, havel. This word havel actually has two different meanings. It's talking about one's breath, and it also conveys the idea of nonsense. You see, our English translations would say vanity, Vanity means something that is worthless, that has no worth or no value. If you say it's meaningless, that means there's no meaning. So when we, when we read that in our English translation, it would say that vanity of vanities, it's worthless, it has no meaning, no value. But that's not what the preacher is trying to say. He's trying to liken it to your breath. If you step outside like it is this morning on a cold day, you can see your breath, but you can only see it for a moment, and then it's gone. It's still there, but you can't grasp it. You can't see it. That's the other meaning of this word, nonsense. Not that there is no sense, but you can't make sense of it. It's not fully understood. That's what this preacher is trying to say. When he says, vanity of vanities, havel of havel, life is not easy to make sense of. You cannot fully grasp it. He goes on to make this argument for the next 11 and a half chapters. 
And in these 11 and a half chapters, he basically identifies everything that we can put meaning to, every kind of purpose that we can find in life, whether it's work, whether it's trying to find pleasure, you name it, he makes an argument for why that is Havel. There is no meaning that you can grasp from life. Again, if we look back at Job, living rightly for God, and he still had these struggles. Why is that? Job's friend would say it's because he sinned. He needed to repent and turn back to God. And Job would say, no, I am blameless before God. When he goes and questions God as to why this happened, God says, who are you to question me? Were you there when I made the world? We can't understand God's full sovereign plan while we are under the sun. It is Havel. In chapter 7, in verse 15 of this book, he does go on to say that it's a vanity. A righteous man, his life is cut short, and yet the wicked seems to have his life prolonged. This is Havel. You can't make sense of that. That does not seem fair or right. So what are we left to conclude? In chapter 12, if you would turn there, chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes, the author here, I'm sorry, the preacher here gives his conclusion in the first eight verses of chapter 12. And basically in this, he is saying that when you are young, you need to remember your creator because when you get old, things start to fall apart. There is chaos all around and so it would be better for you if you remember your creator when you are younger. What he's trying to say here is that you remember the one who is in control. And it is not you. We are not in control of our lives. He concludes his argument there in verse 8 of chapter 12 the same way that he started it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. If we just left this book right here, this would be a very depressing book. This would be a very difficult thing to understand. But praise God that it's not left there. Because in verses 9 through 13, where we are going to spend a portion of our time this morning, we see that the author then steps in and gives his conclusion. These first 11 and a half chapters were about the preacher, this wise sage, giving his ideas of life and how it's all a vanity. But now we have the author stepping in and giving his conclusion in verse 9 of chapter 12, he says, Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. He's basically concluded what the preacher has said that there is a purpose for wisdom. 
In it, he likens wisdom to the goads that are fixed firmly. You see, the shepherd would use his shepherd's staff, and at the top of it would be the hook or the the crook. And with it, he would be able to take the sheep and pull them back into line. But he didn't want to continue to do this over and over and over again. So what they would do is they would fix a nail to the bottom of the staff, something sharp or pointy, at which he would jab the sheep. This was used for training. This was painful. But it trained the sheep that when they stepped out of line, they came back in to line with their shepherd, to follow their shepherd. That word there in verse 11, one shepherd, that should be capitalized because it is talking about the Messiah I've said it before that St. Augustine has been quoted by saying that the Old Testament has the New Testament concealed and the New Testament has the Old Testament revealed. I love that statement. It speaks of the continuity of Scripture. Here, this this term is used only one other time in the Old Testament and it is speaking about the coming Messiah. This foreshadows Jesus As we see in all of the Gospels, and especially John, which we just got done going through this year, we see that John is the good, or that Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the one who lays down his life for his sheep. He has given us wisdom, and although it can be sharp and pointed and cause us some pain, it is there for a reason. It is there to allow us to come back into line with our shepherd. So wisdom is a good thing. Then in verses 13 and 14, the author gives us his summary. He doesn't use 11 and a half chapters. He uses two verses. He says, the end of the matter All has been heard. Basically, this is the bottom line. This is all you really need to know. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Bottom line, this is what you need to know. Your purpose, the thing that completes you, under the sun is to fear God and keep his commandments. Just real briefly to to summarize those two things, to fear God. To fear God is simply to know God. Anytime we see in the Bible when somebody is in direct um, contact with God in some way, They fear God. They fall down and worship him because they are in the presence of pure majesty and holiness. When we know God, we fear God. We see him for who he is. We see that we cannot measure up. We are very aware of who we are and how we are not holy. And we fear God. And we are to keep His commandments. What are his commandments? They're very easy. Jesus summarizes it by loving God and loving others. 
This next year, we get to go over this year of biblical literacy. And as we go through the Bible together, we are going to see those commandments spoken over and over and over again. Different, they're told in different ways. They're told in different contexts, but it's always the same. Love God and love others. This is our purpose. So where does that leave us as we end 2020? As we see all of the chaos and the struggle and the heartache of this past year, knowing that we are not in control of any of it. And as we look into 2021, this is my simple prayer for you and for me as we step into this new year. That we would fear God and keep his commandments. That we would know who God is, that we would be able to see our need for him, and that we would keep his commandments. Would you just pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that even in the chaos and the struggle, we realize that you are still in control. You always have been. You always will be. And we are not. And even though we find ourselves trying to seek meaning and purpose in so many things that are not of you, God, we repent of that. We pray that you would just continue to show us who you are, that we would be able to see you, to know you, to fear you, and that we would keep your commandments so that you can be praised and glorified. God, we praise you that you are going to do amazing, mighty things in 2021. God, we thank you that you are an amazing God and that you are here with us. Thank you for your presence and for your love. We pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. 